Hi and welcome to this week's episode of the DW Podcast with Uruguayan football player and now football manager Gus Poyet. To a British football fan, this man needs no introduction. His journey in the game has been absolutely fantastic. It was such a joy and a pleasure to speak to him. Gus could talk for hours and hours and I could listen for hours and hours to be honest. So this podcast for a change is split into two parts. The first will probably focus more on Gus's playing career. Uh, starting out in Uruguay, where he was born and brought up, uh, before moving to France, Spain, uh, and then over to England to play for Chelsea uh, and Tottenham. And then the second half, uh, which will be published next week, we're going to talk a bit more about Gus's management career uh, and a bit more about his life in general. Thanks very much for tuning in, uh, and I hope you enjoy this as much as I do. For full accident management support, including motor replacement, repairs and personal injury compensation claims, just search G4 Claims today. Hi and welcome to this week's episode of the DW Podcast. I am joined by football legend Gus Poyet. Is that fair to say? Well, uh, that legend. Uh, there is we, we put legends only the top top, but okay, it's no problem. Uh, what's been happening with yourself? How, how are you getting on? Well, I'm I'm okay. Uh, we had a difficult time, like anyone, during the the pandemic or the pandemia. Uh, but it's been good uh, with the family. Uh, we are adapting constantly. We're trying to listen as much as we can. Uh, I know that people, you know, it's been learning through the time. And because of that, there is so many contradictions. Yes. Uh, but that's something that I think we, we, we need to improve because at the end, uh, contradictions brings confusion. Confusion brings uh, fear and fear brings, you know, uh, bad life, we can say to everyone. So, uh, I think we need a little bit more clarification. And and especially, my only opinion is, uh, you know, when, when it's a, a virus like this one, uh, until three months ago or six months ago, we can say, uh, history says that the people needed to be in quarantine. It was only the people with the virus. Yeah, sure. Not healthy people. Yeah. So it's the first time in the history of humanity that we don't let people get out, even being healthy. They can say that they cannot control it, but they can. So they took a little bit of our freedom away, and, and that's dangerous if we don't make things clear. I have to say England was, was different to most. It was, uh, it was quite decent comparing to other countries' uh, uh, possibility of... of, of no, the freedom. So, pleased to be part of a English English life. <laughs> so, just just going back to the start, Gus. You obviously uh, were born in Uruguay, and was it Montevideo? Yep. Montevideo, the capital, 1967. Sport family, uh, media, yeah, media class, uh, typical Uruguayan family who you know you live a lot, a lot during you know your your area with your friends, school. Primary school, secondary school, I, I even got into university, but obviously always playing sports, especially football. I believe your dad was a, a basketball player, is that right? He was a, he was a basketball player by accident. He, he yeah. loved uh, football, but life took him to basketball. So he, I can say that it's kind of my second sport. 
sure. uh, it's true that I didn't play basketball for the last six, seven years because <laughs> it's not that kind of a sport that you can play anywhere, and, and especially in England, which surprised me. I thought that basketball would be very uh, special or very uh, supportive in England because of weather conditions and basketball being an indoor yeah. sport, yeah. perfect for England. But unfortunately, no, it's not, mm. it's not a sport that people really like to either to play or, or, or to watch. What was it like growing up in, in Uruguay? Because back then, you know, in, in the 60s, 70s, Uruguay were, in terms of football, one of the world's best, weren't they? Yes, it was. It was all about football. Um, at that time, uh, probably people now, especially the millennials, uh, most part of the world, we, we were living in the streets. I'm not saying living and sleeping, I mean. You were in your house, but as soon as you finish with, for example, me, I had a deal with my mom. Okay. Uh, come back from school, homeworks, out. Sure. First, homework. So you, it was no problem with the timing after that. You needed to get early back because of the homework. So as soon as you do the homework, you were free to get out. So we were in the streets. We were playing football, obviously. We were playing a lot of, well, we call it like a racquetball that we play in the street. We were playing um, anything that it was possible to play outside. We were doing it when the skates, skateboards, oh, yeah, yeah. we were buying and trying to make different things, you know, ramps to jump and things. So everything that you can make outside, we were trying to make it. So, uh, and it was very, very strong neighborhood as well. Different ages, which helps because you learn from the others. And you kind of teach the youngest, but we, are, we were all mixed. So I, 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 I had no complaints. I had a great, uh, uh, you know, yes, great life when I was young. Very, very nice. What, what age did you realize, you know, I, I, I've got something special here when it comes to playing football? Well, I think, I think when I started playing and, and, and I started competing and, and you start seeing, no, normally I'll tell you how it works in Europe. You go to a local team when you are around five, six years old. So you start playing nine-a-side game and then later on seven-a-side before going into an academy. Uh, so normally, the, the ones that we had the chance to go to professional, in your team you were, let's say, one of the best. Not the best, but one of the best. Sure. So people was already looking at you thinking, oh, okay, maybe, you know, he will have a chance. Um, but it's one truth that I, I said many times. I definitely play in my teams all my young yeah, youth career with better players than me. Really? I, yeah. I swear. I swear. You know, the ones that you look at them and you say, he's going to make it. I mean, it's so much quality. But football is not only about quality. Football is about uh, mentality. It's about uh, your family. It's yeah. about your friends. It's about your first, second girlfriend. It's about uh, a coach, a director, an agent. Everything needs to come into what I call like a motorway. And if everything fits in the road, then you got a chance. Yeah. Anything that takes you away from it, you got less and less chances. So unfortunately for, for a few of my teammates, uh, they didn't make it as, as much as I did. So uh, like I said, there's so many things that need to come together. It's not only quality. But what do you put it down to for yourself? Do you think it was a, a good family balance and... Family for sure, 100%. You know, uh, a way of living, life, respect. Uh, you know, so many times they ask me, 
which was your best best strength in football or your best quality, you know? Yeah. And you start thinking about technically or heading the ball or I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and I always go back to professional. But professional in the whole world, whole world of professional means training 100% every day, you know, being fit, trying to recover on time when an injury, giving your maximum every game, like it was the last game, behaving away from home, you know, away from the club, having a good life, looking after yourself, looking what you're eating, being careful with drinking, you know, so many things that involve the professional world. Because we are are used to amateur, not getting paid, professional, getting paid. That's not the difference. (laughs) Professional means a lot. And, and, And I think my professionalism, which is coming with my education in Uruguay, my parents, my school, and all the group of friends and my wife. You know, I've been married for more than 30 years. So everything is going in a way like, like that road that I told you before, that motorway, uh, that helped me to, to be able to produce after your qualities. No? Do you think it's harder for football players coming through now? Or do you think it's, it was just a challenging back then? Because now you've got things like social media, you know, their, their whole life is, is on television or it's on social media. It's... I, th- I think there is plenty of more uh, mental issues. Yeah. You know, we, we're talking a lot now in England about the mental issues. I think it's a lot because it affects you more things outside your circle yeah. that they used to affect us. We didn't know. I mean, when I was young, you know, you were not in newspapers, you were nothing. I mean, the first time you were in the newspaper, you would cut it, no, and, and, and keep it. You know, my, your mom, yeah, your mom will make the book. Nowadays, it's constant. Mm-hmm. So uh, also there is there is a lot of more money. I think I think it's difficult to compare it, uh, but there is so much money that as soon as you get it to a certain point, the amount of money that is coming to you is is big. And depending on what happened in your life, depending on your education, depending on your family, depending on your friends, and everything is around you, you keep what I call the, the balance and the standards of your commitment yeah. or you lose it because it's so much money that you go and everything goes. So it's, I, I think it's a little, I think it's easier to reach a premier team nowadays, but it's more difficult to maintain yourself yeah. because of these external pressures. Uh, I think social media is, I'm going to put it both ways. It's a great, way of information sure. and it's a terrible uh, way of getting destroyed you know because mm-hmm. it's too much aggressivity too much abuse uh, too many opinions you know people make opinions on, on other people without knowing them you know yeah. uh, it's scary anyone can have a war and the hardest and the most stupid way of doing it the more publicity you get yeah. if you are a normal one you don't get publicity but if you're really an extreme uh, critic or abuser, then yes. So I, I think it's a problem we need to manage. But I don't know how. Yeah. It should be a little bit more control with any doubt. Do you think football clubs, especially in England, do enough to protect players from this outside influence? Or? They, they try. Yeah. But the problem but that... Ultimately, it's down to the player, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's up to the player, but also there is so many people around the world that yeah. you cannot control everyone. I mean, the only way to control it is to control the social media and the players they don't want that. Yeah, yeah. But they don't want that either because of fin- financial reasons. 
remember that these football players that they are earning fortunes in, in social media. So I think it has to be more a global thing. I think it has to be, uh, I'll make an example. I know that we want freedom. And I said it before. I'm the first one I want freedom. Yeah. But when, when I, I had to get, and I'm not trying to make any publicity here, if I want to have football on TV, I need to pay a membership to one of the companies. Yeah. I don't make any name. <laughs> no worries. To get that, no? Yeah. Yeah? Now, to do that, I need to put my name, my address, yeah, and, probably my, yeah. and probably my credit card or my bank account. Yeah. Yeah? What? Why to have a Twitter or, or a Facebook or no? It's not the same. Okay. Because if, if now the person who is doing that is everybody knows where he lives, age, you know, uh, responsibilities, then he should be more careful about what he says. The problem here is that anyone can make a fake account. Yeah, it's dangerous. It's free, it's yeah. dangerous. Yeah. And they say things that they shouldn't say. Because the problem that we don't understand is, and there's something that I think me, especially my, my assistant and myself, we do a lot. We put a lot, even if people doesn't believe me this, I, I swear, we put a lot in the other side. Okay. But we, I put myself in the side of the chairman, which is one position, but I put myself as well in the side of a player. Or the kidman. Yeah. So when I'm going to have a discussion with any of them, I try to put myself in this situation, you know, and, and try to solve the problem. Yeah. I'm not just going there to put my point and oh, be like, you know, I cannot listen or hear and I just defend my position. No, I try to understand the other person. You have and to understand their shoes to understand what they're thinking. Yeah. Well, but in social media, they don't. <laughs> so I mean, I, I, got, I want to put something about you and I don't care what happened to you. I just put it. And then you have a breakdown. Yeah? Yeah. And who cares? No, who cares? No. We need to be careful because we know that and we talked in the beginning there is many, many issues now mentally and we have to be careful about other people. And I, I think it's not control enough. And I think that now these companies that they made so many millions because they are rich over the, the normal richness of you can be, I think it's time to put a control. Control. Yeah. Proper. You know, you, to have an account, any, you need to present your name, your identity card, or your passport, or uh, your address, a proof of address, yeah. and then you can have it. Then you need yeah. to be careful. Yeah, then you don't get people hiding behind a fake profile, or a, of course. Or you want to have responsibilities. Yeah. You know, like it's, they've been happening a little bit now later on in England with the racist uh, abuse of certain players. So I, I think it's something that doesn't mean that we, look, we, miss, uh, sorry, we lose freedom. Sure. Because remember that the word of freedom is my freedom finish where yours start. Okay. Yeah? That's the definition practically. And if I don't care about your freedom and I can't do anything against you, that means I'm, I'm having, I don't know how you call it, over, you know, freedom. So... The, Freedom is not to have things uh, a little bit controlled, especially when you influence other people's lives. Okay. T taking it back to, to your early days in, in uh, Uruguay, it was, you actually broke into the football world in France, is that right, at Grenoble? Yes, I, I started, uh, like any kid, playing the whole academy, all, my, all the ages, all the groups. Yeah. Then I, I was lucky to get in the national team, young, uh, under 19, play a South American championship, and then into the first team. Okay. I played one season, so 12 months, yep. and, and I had a chance to go to France. The first option was Nice, which was third top division. 
Yeah. I went to Nice. I spent there like a month because it was an ex. The country doesn't exist anymore. Yugoslavia. Sure. That uh, he needed to leave for me to get in as a foreigner. Sure. And he, he didn't. So in the last day of the transfer window, they offered me this chance to go to a second division. It was a good link. And after being in France myself, I think I prefer a second division in France than going back to Uruguay. Yeah. I signed. Did you think uh, the standard was better in France? I think that, I think that the, the, the quality of everything, really, and, and, and financially was, I cannot exaggerate, but it was probably 30 times more than what I was earning in Uruguay. Sure. So we're talking about stupid. Um, the problem was that I didn't perform. Okay. Uh, if I had to analyze my year and a half in France, I grew up as a person dramatically because I went from living with my parents to yeah. living on my own for se six, seven months and then being married. So, sure. I mean, I, I completely changed. Football ways, I was poor. I, was, I didn't perform. Uh, we can say many things, but... I'm, I'm, I don't like excuses. You know, I can give you a few, but I didn't perform, bottom line. Okay. I didn't match. So, uh, good things. I learned French. I learned French. Did you speak French before you went, or did you go there? With no, 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 no. Really? I, I went there every afternoon to a, like a, um, yeah, it wasn't a school. It was like, a, no individual, but we were three or four, a very small groups of people, and, and I learned and because I need to talk, as you can see, yeah. I, I, I'm not worried about making mistakes when I'm learning a new language. So I started, 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 and more or less, you keep it, yes. Good. And uh, was it River Plate that you were with in Uruguay before you went to France? Yeah, River Plate from Uruguay, not River Plate that everybody knows from Argentina. This is a small team. I can compare it in England to... Uh, I'm not saying it's small. What I mean is, it's not one of the top that wins the league, uh, but with a good academy, you know, like a, like a Southampton, like a, no academies that they the very Reading, famous academies in Uruguay, yeah. where they they get many many players out, and then of course they need to sell to maintain the the thing. So it was it was it was a good process. I'm I'm very pleased. I I became a River Plate fan for life. Because everything they done for me was was spectacular. So uh, yeah, then Grenoble, like you say in France, and then I was very lucky after a very bad time in football to go to Spain, which yeah. changed my life really. Now so that was, uh, I suppose, that was when you really hit the big thing, was it, Zaragoza? Zaragoza, Zaragoza was good because first it was easier after France, life, language, same language in Uruguay, Spanish. Uh, easy to adapt with my wife. Um, I changed position. I went from a main main striker to a midfielder. I had to start doing certain things differently. I grew up as well as a player. First year I was okay, but luckily I scored important goals at the end of the first year, so I stay. I had a four-year contract. My second year is much better, yep. so I, I become a. Uh, but, you know, a regular player. And my third year, it was even better. And I started scoring goals, being a midfielder. So that put me into my last year in a great position because I was becoming better by finishing contract, which means that you got, you got the power to negotiate. And like that, until we, well, probably in England, they, they won the most, they, they know the most is the victory against Arsenal, no? in the Cup Winners' Cup 
it's funny that obviously your career in uh, in Spain, you won the Copa del Rey, you won the Cup Winners' Cup, yeah. and uh, am I right in saying that you're, you're their longest serving foreign player? Yes, true. Yeah, yeah seven years. Yeah. Seven years, and luckily playing because uh, I, I know that certain people in England they still having the idea that I was injured for a while and injured again. I, I practically never got injured in Spain. Really? I played from now. I played until I was 29. I had a, a little thing in a meniscus and a cartilage in my second season in preseason, so I missed seven day training. Okay. That's it. Never injured, but injury, and we mean long term, eh? twist ankles, or, or I had a kick in a kidney and I couldn't play one game. That's normal, but injured long term, never. And I came to England, and after three months, crucial ligament, bang, six months out. So that, that was a problem. But I think different intensity, different um, grass, different uh, sure. surface. Everything was different for me. And I was already 29. So, you know, slowly you start going down, obviously. But Spain was, was a great, great time for me. And uh, as well, my kids, they're born. They're born in Spain? So, you know, it's plenty of uh, links with Zaragoza that will stay for life as well. Do you ever go back? I go back quite, yes, once or twice a year for sure. sure. Uh, you know, there is many, so, so many times that they, they contact me to be a coach or no, but, but it was always in the wrong time, you know, okay. or, or I was working or I was, uh, it was in a moment that it was difficult or the people who was at the club, but it was always like, there is always a link in there. Like uh, I remember one day I said, but it looks like it's written, you know, in history that I will manage Zaragoza. Yeah. Sometimes. I don't know when, yeah. but sometimes. We see, to to, to win the Copa del Rey and the Cup Winners' Cup with Zaragoza is an amazing achievement, but then to go on to play for Chelsea after beating Arsenal in the final... Yes, well, listen, it's, uh, mm. it's funny because when I'm finishing my second contract, so I have four years and then my third year, uh, and we were talking about making a new one because the easiest decision is stay in Zaragoza. Sure. Make another three or four years and retire there. But then they come in and they, they, this uh, agent and they, they said to me that Chelsea, maybe they were a bit interesting. And, and you start like searching and checking. And so because every single people that I know in football, and especially all the players in Zaragoza, but especially one Nayim who played for Spurs, were saying to me, like, English football is perfect for you, sure. for your quality. And getting in the box and heading and blah. And, and I was thinking, you know, you start having those feelings. Saying, oh, mm. in your stomach, okay. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I remember one day getting a little bit frustrated and I saying to this Asian, it's called Paul Hodges, saying to Paul, it was a Monday, I remember clearly, after training in Zaragoza. I said, okay, if it's true, Chelsea, come on, let's talk to them. Like, I'm, putting I'm pressure. Huh? Yeah, yeah. So he said to me, okay, let me call. And he gets the phone and call. And call Colin Hutchinson. CEO of Chelsea, yeah. Colin Hansen. And I started speaking in English. Me, no one word. English at that point, no. No one word. <laughs> and he would look at me and say something. And then he goes, it's Monday. And say, Thursday? I say, Thursday? What do you mean Thursday? Yeah, he's coming here, the CEO of Chelsea. I say, yeah, that's what I was That's I'm thinking, wow. <laughs> okay. You know, like, wow. Yeah. And, and we went from a possibility to him fly, having dinner with him going to a place in a hotel where he was staying, calling, and negotiating the contract. And I was like, 
wow, that was done, done. So the next few days, my wife flew to England because of schools, place of living. Even if it's London, you know, you you respect that from outside massively and you don't know where you're going. And and by the end of April, because I was free contract, we we signed the contract. And then then it started the other part. I needed to keep playing because Zaragoza was not safe from relegation. But at the same time, start thinking about the future. But, you know, people who knows me, uh, maybe during the week, I was a little bit like checking and things, but Saturdays, Focus. football. Yeah. And I remember the day we, we got safe. Funny enough, I scored the only one, the only goal, we won one nil. The fans, they gave me like um, a presentation and I gave him the shirt. And, you know, it was like, well, no, that I was leaving, but at the same time, I was luckily <laughs> producing. Uh, and then my life, Changed forever. Ah, but changed forever. Yeah. For life. I mean, London now is, is my house. You know, when people say, well, where do you live? London. London? You know, like, well, London? Everybody no, will think it's Spain or Uruguay. Yeah. That's the, again, that should be the easiest for and Spanish. You, you, went, you went to France, you couldn't speak French, and then you're going to England and you can't speak English. What, was there any listen, worry in your head? Were you ever listen, thinking? No, listen, the, the first few weeks when we went to the house, I rented a house in in a place called Datchet, near Windsor, okay, M4. Very close to the training ground at that time, Chelsea training ground was Harlington. I remember the, the telephone ringing at home and um, because you are only with your family and not many people, not many friends. When the phone rings, you're thinking, wow, you know that? <laughs> and you answer. And if from the other side is a Spanish speaker, okay. great, and you will speak for hours. <laughs> now, from there, I said when it was someone saying, for example, no, hello, yes, we like to speak. I said, well, eh, eh, eh. you know, like second, one second. The only thing I learned is so one second. <laughs> I'm giving it to my wife that my wife spoke it's English. English, yeah. So I went, it looked like a bomb, you know, like, <laughs> yes. And uh, funny enough, my injury, my first injury in October, it was crucial ligament in, on my own uh, training ground. Accident, you can call it. I stopped the ball, turned to finish in a small game, and my foot got stuck on the floor. So my knee twisted, crucial ligament, typical crucial ligament injury. This injury helped me during my recuperation to learn English English, and to be better prepared to play English football because I was living in England learning everything, watching football, paying attention, listening a lot, and at the same time learning English. So I had to give credit to, at that time, it was uh, Masur, one of the first uh, medical staff that I spent so much time with him, Terry Byrne, which we done hours and hours and hours of work to be able to come back on time, which was very important at the end because I was able to play semi-final and a final of Kawinis Cup. Yeah, but you missed the, the League Cup final, is that right? 97. I, I miss I miss the League Cup final. It's, it's funny because it doesn't even appear on my trophy cabinet. When yeah. I was part, even if I didn't play the you know the last bit. Yeah. But if, if because, because I didn't play, it like it, not it's not there, no? Yeah. Well, okay, fair enough. I uh, it doesn't matter really. I was at the stadium watching, of course. They gave me a medal anyway, my teammates. Yeah because it was difficult for me to be there and not being able to play. 
But the best part is to get back in semi-final of Cup Winners Cup against Vicenza, getting two through the final, and obviously winning the trophy. That at that time, '98 for Chelsea, it was massive. Amazing, amazing. No, you know because people now think about this Chelsea. Yeah. But that Chelsea winning European competition it was spectacular. How did it compare to winning it previously with Zaragoza? Was well, Sar- Sar- Zaragoza was like when, when we started playing with Zaragoza, we we were not even looking at the final. We were just enjoying playing in Europe. Yeah. And then one day, I think it changed in quarterfinals. We playing Feyenoord away, and we we get out of the dressing room to go to the pitch, and we see the stadium of Feyenoord. Massive. Pack, right. Massive. And the, the supporters, I mean, incredible. Then you start thinking, okay, we're close now. This is proper. This is real. Yeah, yeah this is real. That's the word. This is real. And then we played very well and we lost, but we went back home and we beat in 3 And then you're in the semi-final against Chelsea, by the way. And oh, then Arsenal. Ah, yeah. That's where Chelsea recognized you and picked you up. I don't know, but it was funny. Uh, but what I mean is, for a city like Zaragoza winning that trophy is probably the best thing that happened in our history. Yeah. You know, people are still talking about us. Yeah. This year was 25 years of that, and, and we are recognized as a group of unique players. Now, Chelsea, if I think about the people I have around, you know, like uh, Zola, in the beginning of the season, Gullit, Gianluca Vialli, Roberto Di Matteo, Dan Petrescu, Danny White, Mark Hughes, Tony De Flo. I mean, we're talking about massive players. Yeah, from yeah, the yeah. So I think we had we we were started being a, a a team that was playing to win things. You know? yeah. my, my, the year before I arrived, they won the FA Cup. That's what we played can win cup. Like you say, during 1978, we won the League Cup. Yeah. Then we're going to win the Cup Winners Cup. Then we're going to win the Super Cup against Real Madrid. So the team keep winning and winning and winning. Yeah. So we become a winning team. When Zaragoza, after we won the Cowboys Cup, you know, four or five years yeah. until they won the Copa del Rey, but European Cups, no chance. Now they're in second division. So it's a little bit different. Also, the celebration shows that, no? Mm-hmm. In London, practically, we didn't have too much celebration. Sure. Zaragoza was, like uh, the coach defined it, the biggest uh, celebration or manifestation, social manifestation in the history of Zaragoza. Yeah. Because it was... That's amazing, isn't it? Yes, it was. I mean, think about it. 93, we lost the final Copa del Rey against Real Madrid. We come back to Zaragoza, empty on Sunday. No one waiting for no one. They don't care. The bus, the bus you get your car, you go home, you like. <laughs> A year later, we win. We won the Copa del Rey. We go back, massive. Crazy. So many people out. Now, the following year, when we won the Cup Winners Cup, I don't, I don't know how to explain it to people. It was the whole city out. Yeah. I mean, from the airport, there were people there. The whole way into the city, like, uh, you know, the Tour of France, the cycling <laughs> that the people all the, in the street. All the way, people in the street with flags, all the way into the city. We got changed because we, we were traveling to Pusanine and from there to the main council balcony, all the city was outside. And obviously the main... Uh, we call it the square in front of the council. It was Fact. the only thing we could say from the balcony was heads yeah. everywhere, and all the streets, you know, coming out of that. It was it was the whole city, silly. So it's 
difficult that that can happen in London. You know, when, when Chelsea, I had one parade in Chelsea in Fulham Road. Mm-hmm. Fulham or Chelsea. <laughs> and Arsenal have it in there and Tottenham have it in there. So it's like a little bit more local. This is a city, you no, know, outside, which it was spectacular. So you think the supporters are more passionate in Spain and South America than they are in, in Britain? I, I think in Spain they are okay. I think, I think in England, the, the good thing about England and, and you, it's the only place in the world, and I'm not saying this because I'm talking to you, because I said in Uruguay, in England they, rec- they recognize the effort first and most. Sure. And if you give 100%, yeah, you can even go down. I mean, one of my first experiences uh, dealing with a team going down was when I was already Spurs that would play against Wolves last game of the season and Wolves was relegated. Yeah. And I couldn't believe, I swear I couldn't believe that Wolves done the lap of honor after our game and people was there waiting and clapping each other. Mm-hmm. They went down. Now, I'm telling you now, for people listening to us, you cannot do that in your way. No. Because you are not going to get a pl- applause. <laughs> They're going to throw something to you. Yeah. So if you go down, you go in, you stay in the dressing room. So that kind of relationship and recognition that somebody needs to go down and you give your maximum. That, that is unique. That support is massive. Sure. And that, that's something that the, you know, the foreigners when we come into England, we embrace because it's something unique that you don't, you don't get in another place in the world. You don't get it. Whatever they say is, I wonder is if the only place. That's because I, I was very lucky earlier this year to visit Buenos Aires and, and go to some Argentinian football games. And for me, I thought it was amazing, but it's maybe because it's just different. So you're coming from South America and it's a different... Country. No, no, because but you, you watch a game, you know, and during the game, they are spectacular. I mean, the, 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 the fans, they are great. The problem is when you are in the losing side constantly. It's not good. Yeah. Okay? I was lucky I played in Uruguay, very small team, not too many supporters, but, you know, there is so many people that they've been in the big teams and it becomes... In Uruguay, still control. Argentina... Yeah. I mean, it's just different. Now, it's a way of understanding sports. And I think the England got the point, but that's what is why we or the South America will bring something into the game in England because we bring that yeah. winning mentality at all cost, <laughs> maybe sometimes too much, okay? Because we are from where we are. Uh, but you start seeing football in a different matter in a different manner. You start learning other ways, which is great. Gus, you mentioned some of the players that uh, at Chelsea when you first came in, like. Dennis Wise, who you went on to be assistant manager with, and uh, Gianluca Viali and Zola. And did you know from the start that they were special players? Well, I was checking when the year, previous year, and I was that was why I decided to go to Chelsea. Obviously, the Chelsea, the offer, the commitment from the CEO from the club, and also checking that you know they were playing the FA Cup final. It was the the Gullies, the, the Matteo, the Viali, the Petrescu, the Zola, no, from Lebes, like I said. So you, that pushed me. Now. I, I said it many times, uh, I, I was lucky to play with great football players and I need to name one, which is Francesco Lee, a Uruguayan player, which was exceptional on the pitch, outside the pitch, as a leader, as a captain, as a player, as a everything. But then the best I play with by far is Gianfranco Zola. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I tried to put a definition that I didn't hear, I didn't hear from other people. I, I said that Gianfranco Zola was so good that he made... Us better players. Yeah. You understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He Be, brought, brought being, being with him on the pitch makes us better. 
yeah. that, that good. He was so good that we will we look better with him, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, and it was very easy to play. I mean, it was so simple to understand. It was it was always available. It was always at the right place. It had always the right touch. I mean, it was it was really special. And training every day. That's another thing that is difficult for me to put it with Francesco because Francesco I was only during the Copa America and a few games. So you train later. I was able to train with Gianfranco Sola for four years every day. Yeah. And I saw him doing things that they're out of this world and then doing it, you know, in the game. Because that's the best thing yeah. with Gianfranco. He was, he was practicing free kicks and scoring in training for fun. And then it will come the game and you have one chance and it will go bang. And you think, yeah, I saw it during the week. <laughs> uh, and on top of that, what a person. I, I, I always... I always thought that the top, top, top players, they needed to be a little bit nasty, a little bit... No, Gianfranco yeah. is Gentle. the nicest person. Yes. Yeah. So uh, they had a, a perfect combination to be a, a top, top player. How was Dennis Wise with the foreign players that came in? Because he's... he's out, I mean, years have got a great relationship for something like you did. And it seems it like... Me, <laughs> it took me a year and a half to understand why is he. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, it, it was the leader. Um, yeah. Because of my character, I always thought when, you know, we are all different, eh? but when I was going into a new club, I always thought, okay, how does it work? You know, who is the leader? Who is the captain? Who is the one who we need to listen? Who is, and definitely Dennis was that person. So yeah. I pay a lot of attention to Dennis. Sure. Uh, and then obviously because of my commitment on the pitch and on the side of the pitch, we started having a great connection. Uh, and that took us to the option of me being his assistant for a few years. So uh, it, 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 was, it was the perfect leader for a bunch of foreigners living together. You know, uh, he made great decisions many, many times during the, the four years I was there. Did, did you ever see him get, get over angry at, at all? It, 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 was, it was. I mean, <laughs> I mean the, the good thing with Dennis is that he, he was bringing the maximum of everyone yeah. Even without the coach saying nothing, because then he was there. Yeah, he had high in, demands for the players. Exigen and making you be there. So, uh, and, and of course, he was doing it. I mean, I make an example in precision. In precision, you need to run. It's hard. Yeah. Nobody likes running. You know, I'm running and running and running. But he was the best at running. He was always up front of his own. He was so quick and so fast and so. You know, uh, power that it was okay. Group number one, Danny Weiss. Yeah. Group number two, Graham Leso, this one, Roberto Mateo. Blah, blah. Group number three, I was in number four. So he was always ahead. So then you look after him and think, okay, this is the person that we need to lead us. It's English, it's hard by, by, uh, by example, uh, give me the maximum all the time. And then enjoy playing with us because obviously he went from a very English style of playing into a kind of European football. So, yeah. And he adapted very well. He really embraced it, yes. Yeah, so you mentioned it earlier, Gus. You touched on that uh, victory over Real Madrid in the Super Cup. And uh, yeah, that, of course you got a goal in the game as well. And coming from yeah, Zanetta, that, 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 that was That was special for many reasons. One, because for us, the game against Real Madrid was massive. Yeah. Secondly, Chelsea didn't have that cup and we needed to win it somehow like the Champions League that they won afterwards. Uh, also because of um, 
uh, we wanted to show that we were getting better and better and what's a better way to be the Champions League winners, Real Madrid. Yeah. And for me, in special, in particular, because, okay, people remember me being an offensive midfielder scoring goals, uh, someone more important than the others. But for some reason, I play one with my national under 20 national team final, two Copa del Rey, one Cup Winners Cup, the Cup Winners Cup with Chelsea, and an, an extra one with uh, my team in Zaragoza Super Cup, I never score in finals. So I'm a human being, and you, th you start thinking, why? Why right. do I score here? Why do I score there? Why do I score against Manu? Why yeah. do I score against Real Madrid in Spain or Barcelona? Why is going in semifinals? But then in the final, I know it's one final, it's more difficult, but... Yeah. So, when I learned that morning that I was not playing, I was free. I was, yes. I destroyed my roommate. At that time, it was Chapi Ferrer. I killed him all afternoon. <laughs> but that brought something extra. I said, okay. You know, like, I, I always try to convince my player, you don't play. Okay. Give me five minutes. I will show you. Yeah, why uh, if you if you give me 25, coach, you know, we said you, if you give me 25, you got a problem because I'm gonna for sure show you that you made a mistake. Yeah. You know, that kind of mentality that yeah, I want to wrong. I was I was lucky to go in with Nilan. Mm -hmm. And then I say, okay, it's all there for me. Then of course it needs to happen, you know. But I, I had a header before that I was close and, and I was getting there until we got that break, and when the ball dropped for me. That depends on you. When Gianfranco just put it there, like saying, go on, have a shot. Uh, but, you know, that, that also takes you to another level. I always say you, you grow and you go step by step, getting to certain points. Regrets, maybe not playing a World Cup with my national team. I couldn't, but, you know, but then, you know, I played in great teams. I won trophies. I, I was able to, you know, make friends, uh, leave a name because of that still living in England, work in England, so many things that happened because of the career, but especially I needed that extra bit for myself of scoring that final. Do you think that was the, the pinnacle, the highlight of your career? You well, uh, in, in terms of achieving something, yes, but my, my, my highlight, if I had to put a frame in my house, yeah. I need to put a 95 year, uh, and I'll tell you why, it's not because of Chelsea or nothing, it's because in May, I, I, I went to win the Cowboys Cup against Arsenal with Zaragoza, which it was unexpected. Yep. And two months later, I win the Copa America with my national team. Amazing. So in 95, I thought, I can play anything, I'm going to win it. You know, like you feel that you're going to win everything. So it's, it's, it's three months that they took me, you know, they put me in another level, which are very special, especially the, the Copa America, which is... You know, you need to live in Uruguay to understand what it means to us. I was going to say, for, for people in Britain, uh, or even in Europe, to understand the Copa America, it's, over there it's massive. Look, uh, it's something funny because until the, uh, the year of 87, Copa America was playing away and home until the final. It was like a qualification thing. Yeah. Uh, and Uruguay never lost in the whole century a game at home in Copa America. Really? Now, in, eight, in 87, they started playing the Copa America like Eurocup. Yeah. In one country. Okay? Sure. They play in Bolivia, they play in Argentina. And then 95, Uruguay, in Uruguay. No pressure. 
Wait, wait. You need to win it, but you cannot lose a game. Because if you lose one game, you are the first team on losing a game in the whole century. Okay? That was the pressure for people to understand. And then uh, we won the first game. The second, we qualified. The manager changed a few players in the third game to give rest. We lose in one nil and we drew 1-1. Then we watched quarterfinal against Bolivia. We beat the semifinal. Probably was my best game. The one I enjoyed the most against Colombia. We beat them. And then the final against Brazil, which before the game is, is lovely, party time. But uh, I remember the goalkeeper, Fernando Alves, when we go to the stadium, he said, now we must win. Yeah. If we want to go back <laughs> normal, and that's a pressure. And we went to penalties. Luckily, I didn't take. So yeah. we won. We won 5-4 on penalties. It was... You know what is the difference? People ask me the difference, winning something with your club, winning something with your national team. It's simple. Uh, first, it's... Um, is uh, it affects more people close to you. For example, when I won a trophy with Zaragoza or Chelsea, yes, my family, a few friends. Okay, now, when you win something with Uruguay, I, I can't tell you because you have, yes, because my school, I went my whole education to the same school, okay, a school called Santa Maria, Maristas. So my school reacts in an incredible way because one of the students went on to win the Copa America. Yeah. Your classmates from every year, your club, River Play, your family, obviously, your friends, your girlfriend. I, I always say, a friend of mine said to me, please win because Monday I need to work, go work, you know? And <laughs> yeah. I want to go yeah. there like saying, I've done it. Yeah. He done it, but I done it. Right. And now people say to me, ah, your friend was rubbish. So, so many things are affected. The, the whole country. And being so small, we are only three million and a half. Making people that day for a country so small so happy that we are yeah. on top of the world is, uh, is very, very special. And like I said, it's more um, emotional. Even if I cry in Zaragoza a lot, but uh, in, that, in that person, you can see that more people around you get affected by, by the results. Guess what makes Uruguay so special when it comes to football? Because obviously I, I'm Scottish and we've got five million people and we're nowhere near as good as you, you've ever yes, It's the mentality of first present football. Yeah. Yeah. First thing you do when you're a boy, kick a ball. Sure. Uh, you become six or seven, you start playing football in your local team. And everybody wants to play there. The good and the bad ones. Yeah. And as soon as you play a little bit well, everybody's pushing you to go and play football. And then you finish playing for school and for your club. And then you play in football. Yeah, yeah. You play it's all the time. Life. It's life. Life. And then you see that it's going well and you got a chance and people start helping you and pushing you. And, you know, for example, at school, I have a deal with the, with the, 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 the priest that was in charge of a school sure. that uh, I was playing for the local team. Sure. If I was able to miss uh, physical education at school because yeah. I needed to go training I needed to go studying. I needed to do physical studies. I needed to play the weekend Saturday for school and Sunday for my club or the opposite. So I said, give me a chance. If you want me to play for you, let me exonerate this or, you know, like having a negotiation because I cannot do everything. By the way, like I told you in the beginning, I finished playing basketball for school. Yeah. Well, on Sunday yeah. afternoon. Uh, man. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I mean, there were no better feeling than playing Saturday with River, yeah. being good and 
having that chance to go and enjoy something different with my friends. Because remember that at school you play with your friends. Yeah. Uh, it's a release. But, you can relax a bit more. Yes. yes. Yeah. And, but you get to an age, I would say 15, 16, where school you cannot play anymore. Yeah. Because you become risky, because you need to recover, because the club put you in a position where you have to be careful. And I have, you know, those situations where uh, the, the, the school will ask me to go and play that particular game and I need to ask permission to the club if I can play yeah. that game yeah. because it was, yeah, like a derby. Or, but then, of course, it, it was a problem for me because I, I was maybe not playing for school and that important game I was coming, somebody will come out of the team, which is not nice. Yeah. Like you're taking his place. Luckily, we were very close friends, and you know they wanted you to go anywhere. But yeah. it was it was a good uh, mix, you know, between everyone. But you need to be careful because you you can see the end of that road that I told you in the beginning. Yeah, the motorway. <laughs> maybe maybe I'm gonna get to the first team, and maybe yeah. I'm gonna play football professionally. So you have to be careful. Well, who were the who were the big players in that Brazil team in the final of the Copa America? Copa America, well, Francesco Lee, I told you. Uh, yeah. Brazil, you're talking Brazil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roberto Carlos, yeah. Dunga. Oh, you're going to know, know the little Juninho who played for Middleborough. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. But Roberto Carlos was funny because I remember playing the final and, and we, we, we had a system like there was four defenders, three in the middle. I was playing one of the three okay. in the left side most of the time. Like an off the front Francesco Lee, number 10, and two strikers. And in, we were losing one in a half time. Ooh. And then the manager made a few changes. Play and play was an exceptional player. Another number 10, Benguechea, score a free kick, 1 1. And then 20 minutes to the end, I changed position with Benguechea. He was playing on the right. He said to me, Gustavo, let's change position. And I went left, uh, right side of midfield, okay, in three. And then Dunga will get the ball in the middle and he will ping it to the left. And I will look over my head. <laughs> and over there, it was Roberto Carlos. Yeah. And I needed to run 70 yards back to try <laughs> to stop him, yeah? yeah? And then get up and go the other way to try to, you know, score the winning goal. Yeah. And then get back and run with Roberto Carlos. Oh, my God, he made me run that final. I finished dead. Uh, He's a fantastic by... player, though, wasn't he? No, no. The legs. I mean, when he went to hit the penalty, yeah. you know, you see that he put the shorts <laughs> up and he got that massive legs. Massive caps, yeah. What? And the caveat, but he went under the goalkeeper, nearly missed it. But uh, it was it was scary. I mean, ah, you know, people talk about penalties. Uh, ah, yeah, you go there, you pull it, you hit it. No, no. You, you are mean, an special. You are an specialist, or you are not. Anyone can take a penalty. Yes, you, me, anyone. Now, to be precise and to score constantly, you need to be a specialist. Yeah. I was not. Okay. Now we had in the team. In the final, at the end of the game, from the five penalty, four specialists, and one player who wants you to take it, it was no negotiations. I'm taking one, you know, that kind of yeah. hard work in midfielder. Sure. Uh, so I was a six. <laughs> so when they told me you are six, I'm thinking, okay. And then they start goal, goal, <laughs> goal, goal. And then you start thinking, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God, at home. And, and imagine, this was funny because it was. Uruguay taking a penalty, the whole stadium, you know, like, yeah. goal. Real Madrid, shh, bad, 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 whistle, but bad. It was incredible, the names. The score. Then Uruguay, yes. Me, uh, uh, Brazil, the same. And then they missed the third. 
So now fourth, you got this friend of mine, which is very hard working midfielder, that we all knew where the ball was going. We were just expecting that Tafarel, Tafarel, yeah. the goalkeeper, didn't know. Yeah. Luckily, he didn't. He went the other way. Okay. Uh, so we scored. So now if Dunga miss, we are champions. But Dunga scored. Now, we take in the fifth to win. And I'm like... Please score. Please score. Sergio Martinez. We call him Manteca Martinez. Playing Boca Juniors. Playing yeah. in Spain as well. I was like... I, I even say, I think I was more nervous than Martinez. Yeah. Because he was a penalty taker. He took many, many penalties in Boca Juniors in La Bombonera. Yeah. I was like... Please, Manteca. <laughs> and when he Not scored, there, if you miss, so. when he scored, look, I, I had a groin. I was my groin it was tight of running backwards. Uh, when he scored, pain went. You know, no more pain. Yes, it was running everywhere. It was too many people on the pitch, too many photographers. You know, too many uh, press. We didn't care. We went through people. I don't know. You know, it was. I don't have a clear image of the celebration. Like it was proper. It was you, were, you got player of the tournament as well, didn't you? Well, I, I was playing the tournament in my position. It was a little bit misunderstood that, but I was playing of, of my position because I will, I will actually, I play most of the games. Sure. And except the semi-final, I play all the minutes. Yeah. So you done something. Now, I didn't play in the position I enjoyed the most. So I done, I done a job for the team. The, the coach, uh, unfortunately, passed away. He came to see me in Spain and said, I need you there. And I said, you know, Mister, I, I want to play a little bit more forward. You know, I want to collaborate with a few guys. He said, "No, I know you can help me there. I need you there, and I need you." And he convinced me to play in a more defensive yeah. position. Yeah. And I said, "I need to play." I didn't play too many games before that with my national team. It was Copa America. I, I have to. And I yeah. went there and I just worked hard in my position. And luckily, I helped a little bit with it. What were the, the celebrations play. like in the capital? Weren't you? It was massive. We went into the city center. We couldn't celebrate too much because there was so many people that the police took us away, unfortunately. Uh, in the next few days, it was, you know, like, yeah, I, I think it's, you can see in the face of your family, you know, when, when you go home and you see your family, how proud they are, how, like I said, between proudness and relief, like, okay, now we can go out and everybody will say, well done, well done, well done, and no, uh, your son, uh, so it was it was a special moment. Yes, unfortunately, I didn't have too much holidays because my team in Spain was not doing well in precision, sure. and they called me back straight away after mm -hmm. one week, and I went back and I started the following season. Crazy. But wait, when it. you go back now, Gus, are, are you always remembered as the team that? Well, yes, because uh, you know, we, in Uruguay we got many father and sons that we done things very special. My father won the basketball Copa America. No way. And I won the football Copa America. That's amazing. There is, there is Diego Forlan. Yep. His father won the Copa America with Uruguay. And he won the Copa America with uh, Uruguay. And Matosas, another, you know, there, there is many father and sons that they won the Copa America. It's same sport, mostly, me in particular, and two different ones. That's amazing. That's a great story. It's, yeah. uh, it's scary. So people, you know, for example, until I won the Copa America, I have to say I was the son of uh, Washington okay. yeah. yeah, because he won the in basketball we call it Sudamericano, but the Copa America is the same, all the, the country. Yeah. Then you win and you are okay, he won it as well. Like <laughs> he's good, he's good. Even if Paul if football is a little bit more popular, uh, yeah. obviously you need to to equal that. It was tw twenty six caps in total. 
Yes, I mean, I, I was unlucky with my positioning, like I said to you. I, I was playing an offensive role, and Uruguay in that position had exceptional players. Sure. Okay. In the beginning, like I said to you, in all the 90s, Francesco Lee and Bengochea, the two number 10, that the, the manager tried to combine them in the first few games, but it didn't work. So then Bengochea was on the bench, luckily to come back in the final and score. Yeah. And then later on, I don't know if you know him, Chino Recoba, he played yeah. Inter Milan many, many years. So it's like, yeah, I couldn't go and play in my best position. And I was always playing out of position and I was not performing. So I remember my last cup. I told the coach, I said, uh, Mister, I think this has to be someone better than me in this position. Mm -hmm. I'm killing you. You know, like, sure. I'm not giving you what I should because I think, I think our role as a coaches is to play the players in positions where they're going to give the maximum that they can give you with their qualities. You know, yeah. like, you're not going to play, I don't know, uh, Harry Kane as a left back. Yeah, of course. He can, he, probably he can play there. But you're not going to do that, yeah. But he's not going to score goals. And what he does is scoring goals or playing up front. So that kind of situation. And I was playing out, always a little bit out of position and not bringing, for example, arriving in the box. I couldn't get in the box. I <laughs> too went too far. Huh? Yeah. So then I say, what am I doing here? <laughs> I, I, on top of that, it's not what I'm doing. Is I'm not giving the team what I do best, if we can call it. I'm just running around and yes passionate and giving me 100 percent it should be someone better than me on that okay. uh, and that's that why that's I didn't very honest that's very honest I, I, I am that's, that's me yeah that's me funny enough the coach said to me no no don't worry no you're helping us following game he didn't call me no <laughs> <laughs> so it probably was the game and so yeah. maybe the guy you know knows uh, the truth but it was it was me, yes, like now, the same. And and back to Chelsea, you then you then went on to win the FA Cup and uh ran, ran, last, ran. last game at Wembley, at the old Wembley. Yeah, how was that? Must have been an amazing atmosphere. Yeah, listen, the best place, the most iconic stadium for me ever, the old Wembley. Yeah. Spectacular, unique, uh, history, uh, the walk from behind the goal to the middle of the park in the FA Cup final. Yeah. You, you, I will pay to do it again. Yeah. It's like 60 meters, 75 meters with the stadium going ballistic and you just walking in there like, you know, the big kings. Then the red carpet, then all the presentation. I mean, the whole lot is unique. It's very, very special. Probably the best cup worldwide, no doubt. Okay? Do you know Having the chance to play it and win it. Thanks very much to everyone who has listened or watched this podcast. Thanks once again uh, to G4 Claims for sponsoring this podcast. Uh, and if you liked it, tune in next week for the second part of this episode with Gus. Please also like and subscribe everywhere that you check out your podcasts uh, and stay in touch on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, etc. Cheers.